last last minute replacement and he uh, voluntarily jumped right up here and helped us with the singing. I appreciate that. There's a couple of others. Your willingness to help uh, with the order of order of worship. Uh, last Sunday night, we studied from 1 Corinthians, and I said at that time that my plan for the Sunday night lessons during the cold weather months, uh, November, December, maybe into January and February even, was to try to study uh, some of the epistles, the, the letters uh, in the New Testament that are written to congregations and, and some to individuals. That is, that is still my plan, but I, I want to, uh, to, I think I perhaps mentioned this, but I want to make sure you know in case you're counting on this sort of thing. I want to give myself a little flexibility. On Sunday nights, and this is, this is what I've always done, uh, Sunday morning you kind of want to, to deliver that, that standard, that standard message from the, from the Bible. When I say standard, I, I don't mean that, uh, that you can only do so much. I just mean that, that normal, everyday message that you're used to, uh, in a gospel sermon on, on a Sunday morning at church. Sunday night, uh, sometimes I just get an idea or get a notion. You may recall a short time ago, I just got up here and, and basically ranted about the situation in the USA and how it was affecting the church. I did that one Sunday night. Sometimes I just get those ideas and, and I just need to give that lesson. And I might do that uh, sometime uh, over the next few, uh, few months. But for now at least, I'm going to stick with the plan. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians tonight. We noticed last week as we were beginning that Corinth was a very wicked city. In fact, uh, there was a word in the first century to Corinthicize, and it basically meant to be wicked and immoral. And that was the normal way of life in Corinth. That's the kind of city that it was. Paul was there for a long time, and in fact... Uh, we're going to notice tonight that he mentions in, in 2 Corinthians that he's ready to go and see them for the third time. So Paul had been there at least a couple of times already, and we know from reading the book of Acts that he was there for 18 months at, at one point. And so Paul spent a lot of time in Corinth and knew those people well. They had lots of problems, immorality, they had division, they even, they even had social classes there, so much so that Paul told them in 1 Corinthians they couldn't even take the Lord's Supper right because they were not truly acting like brothers and sisters. They could not even commune correctly around the Lord's table. So Corinth was a complicated place. And Paul was obviously very worried about them while he was away. He continues, as he did in 1 Corinthians, to warn them about not getting too close to the world. In chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, and starting at verse 14, he warns them to do, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You're, you're treading on dangerous ground when you do that. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And, and what communion has light with darkness. We just don't go together. What accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer 
with an unbeliever. And Paul is not just telling us here, you can't even speak to him and be friendly with your neighbor who is, who is not a member of the church. But don't get too involved in their ways and their habits and their actions because you'll be, you'll be dragged down by that. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. A, a, a Christian is just living a different kind of life than, than the world in general. It doesn't mean we've got to go out into the mountains and find us a cave and live like a hermit. That's not what he means. He just means that our life as a whole has to be different from what most of the world is living. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let's read verse 1 of chapter 7. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so, in a city like Corinth, where worldliness was the normal way of life, low morals was the normal way of life, those things, those problems were bound to make their way into the church, and they did, and Paul is trying to warn those Corinthian Christians that you've, you've got to stay away from these things. You cannot keep one foot in the church and one foot in the world. That will never work. Now, on the positive side of that, it does seem that there was some improvement. It seems that they must have been doing better. In the same chapter, same chapter, notice verse 8. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice... Not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. There you go. We touched on that just a little bit this morning as we were winding down. That, that's what causes us to, to have that penitent spirit. We study God's Word. We see that we're not being obedient to it. And, and we know we've got to do better. I'm sorry I've been doing these things. And I'm going to do better. The, sorrow leads to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Now notice verse 11. I believe they were doing better. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. And so it seems that they were doing better. There was some of this godly sorrow there in Corinth. And I believe they, that we can uh, read between the lines a little bit and say that they were doing better. 
Also in 2 Corinthians, Paul discusses the contribution and he teaches us how to give. Not necessarily the amount, but, but the spirit and the attitude that we are to have. Look at chapter 9. Chapter 9. Let's start reading at verse 5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And so this has got to be willing. It doesn't matter what we drop in the collection plate, even if it is a large amount. If we give it grudgingly, God knows that, and He's not happy if we do it grudgingly. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap, reap bountifully. We, we give a lot, God gives it back. So let, each one, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God's going to give us plenty, so we'll have plenty to give. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, is given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, giving liberally, generously, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. I like verses 11 and 12, which causes thanksgiving through us to God for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. And so, have you seen that commercial on TV? Uh, It's a Farm Bureau commercial. Uh, Charlie the farmer uh, overhears the waitress who's having a hard time, and he leaves a very generous uh, tip, and he he says to his his son as they're walking out, uh, don't worry, I'll get it back. I think... What Charlie means there and what we should understand what Paul tells us here. If we give generously, God's going to give it back. Bobby Lloyd has a saying that he's never been able to outgive God. And if we are generous and, and liberal in our gifts, God will make sure that we always have plenty so that we will not only be blessed, but we will also have more than enough to share with others. We ourselves can be a blessing. And I, and I do like verse 12 and what it teaches us. Not only will people be able to be provided for with our gift, but this will make us even more thankful for what we have. Now, believe it or not, it appears from what we read in 2 Corinthians that Paul has to defend himself. It seems that some of the folks there in Corinth just did not believe that Paul was as good as the other apostles. It could have been because Paul did not spend 
that time with Jesus. Uh, the other apostles had had that time, uh, those three years of his ministry, they had had that time. Paul was an apostle born out of due time. He was not with Jesus. And perhaps some people held that against him, and, and he literally has to defend himself. Uh, look at chapter 11. Chapter 11. I want to read verse 1, and then we're going to skip to verse 5. I want to read verse 1 so that you will see that Paul is actually embarrassed. That he kind of has to boast just a little bit, just so these people will see that he is a legitimate apostle. He says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me. He didn't want to do this. It was embarrassing to him that, that he's, he's, got to, he's got to brag just a little bit. Verse 5. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am, I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all, in all things. I've been there. I was there with you all this time. You know this. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches. Other people were taking care of me while I was preaching to you. Taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. <laughs> they brought a gift to me. It didn't come from you Corinthians. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Achaia is where Corinth, the Corinth was. That's the province that it was in. And Paul is just saying here, the people there in Achaia, in, in and around Corinth, you know this stuff. You know these things. Now look at me, with me down at verse uh, 22. Don't look at me, look with me. Down in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? <laughs> so am I. Are they ministers? Now notice here, he has, to, he has to be right up front with them. Are they ministers of Christ? I, I speak as a fool. He, he didn't want to do this. Well, I, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. He, 39 stripes, he got that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily." My deep concern for all the churches. Nobody, nobody had endured more than Paul had. And he, he, he was not happy that he had to 
say all of these things about himself. But sadly, the, some of the brethren, at least in Corinth, just didn't think he was good enough. And, and Paul has to defend himself. I, I believe in our day that any man who is receiving a salary from the church needs to be out there earning it. That's for sure. And if he's not doing that, he needs to be replaced. Get somebody who will uh, earn his keep. But if you got a good man who is trying to do the work of the church, who's out there in the community and around and in the hospitals and the nursing homes and nursing homes, and he's doing those things, and he's trying to get in that pulpit and preach the gospel to you uh, each first day of the week. If he's doing that, then he deserves praise instead of criticism. So let us, let us in the Lord's church remember that. I'm sorry to say that that's not an issue here. That's not an issue at Bethel. But I'm sorry to say that I have heard some really sad stories from men that I believe are good brothers who are, their, their congregations just own them all the time. And so let us, let us be honest and, and, and be fair with those men who are in those positions. In chapter 12, Paul mentions his thorn in the flesh. And we don't know just exactly what that was. Many people believe that, that Paul's eyesight was really, really bad. But I want to show you what he says about it. In chapter 12 and in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. To make sure I didn't get the big head here. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Whatever it was, it really bothered Paul. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And so I asked God to remove it. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What, what God said to Paul is, I'm not going to remove your thorn in the flesh, Paul, whatever it was. So the answer is basically, no, I'm not going to remove it, but I'm going to help you. My grace is sufficient unto thee. I'm going to help you with this, Paul. And, and I think that's what he does for us. There may be times, LaVon, when we will plead with God in our prayers for, for some special blessing for us or someone that we love, someone that's very close to us, and it seems like that that prayer is just not answered. But I believe that God deals with us in the same way that He did with Paul. He might not fix it, but He'll help us with it. He will help us. My grace is sufficient unto thee. I believe He deals with us in the same way. We mentioned uh, at the beginning that in chapter 13, He tells them that I'm, I'm coming to you to, for the third time. And so, Paul had a, a, a long relationship with the church in Corinth. And he knew them well. It seems that there was at least one more letter that Paul wrote, and some people believe that there might have been as many as four letters to the congregation in Corinth. 
we know that he's coming there for at least the third time, and he might have even, even been there another time or two uh, at some time or other. And so Paul had a, a long relationship with the brethren in Corinth, and he knew them well. If Paul were here tonight, he would say that we need to make sure we tell everyone what they need to do to become a Christian before we close our service tonight. And so I, I want to make sure I get that done. Tonight, if you are not a member of the Lord's body, we would like to help you remedy that situation. If you've never obeyed the gospel and become a Christian, you can do so if you're willing to repent of your sins to confess your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, to be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. We would, we would be thrilled to help you get that done this very night. Perhaps you have obeyed the gospel at some time in your life and just not been as faithful as you should have been. Repent of those things that caused you to stray. Ask for the prayers of the faithful and be restored. You can do that while we stand and while we sing.